Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Thank you for joining us. This is Danny Goodwin, Executive Editor of Search Engine Journal. Today, I will be continuing our ongoing series, Better Know and SEO Pro. And one person in SEO you definitely better know about is Jamie Alberico. Uh, Jamie is a self-described 100% human technical SEO consultant, not a robot. Uh, though I did hear a rumor, she may be changing that title soon to Undisputed Elf Queen of SEO. Um, in the past, she was SEO product owner at Arrow Electronics. She's also CRO at Moz. Uh, and Jamie was also a consumer analyst at MapQuest. Jamie's been doing SEO since 2011. Uh, in addition to being a regular contributor for Search Engine Journal, She's contributed to white papers and videos for DeepCrawl, OnCrawl, Authoritas, Google's Webmaster, uh, Google Webmaster YouTube, and WebSearchTem. And you can also catch Jamie speaking at Search Engine Journal's upcoming eSummit, uh, which will be taking place June 2nd. She'll be talking all about technical SEO. You can follow her on Twitter at jammer underscore volts, and she's also on LinkedIn. Uh, and I seriously recommend following her on Twitter. She's uh, regularly sharing all kinds of awesome information, insights, and it's always entertaining. Uh, and here she is, Jamie. Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Uh, it's so great to have you here today. Hey, Danny. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's really lovely to be here. I had to not laugh when you were doing the undisputed elf <laughs> queen of <laughs> JavaScript. I know. I saw that. That's one of the things like on Twitter when I follow you, I just see all these funny little things pop up like that. I'm like, oh, that's Jamie. Like, it's classic Jamie. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cute because you were like, I need to refresh my bio. And I think it was a Barry Adams who suggested that one for you. Yeah. Yeah. That one was Barry. I used the one that David Michaela uh, sent in. I, I put that actually on the Surgeon and Journal Summit page. So nice. I used those cards or his bios. Y'all write better things about me than I would. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, yeah. So before we kick off our discussion, I figured it'd be good to sort of give people an idea of you know, who you are and what you do. So what is not a robot? Um, and as, as a technical SEO consultant, what types of projects do you primarily work on these days? 
I'm not a robot is my own company. I named it after all the captchkas I filled out in my life. Um, as a technical SEO, you are emulating the experience of bots and how they encounter your content. That triggers a lot of like, are you sure you're humans? Uh, I work um, best embedded with dev teams. That is my happy place uh, right there between like UX, our, de our developers and having conversations with the stakeholders. And that allows me to kind of prioritize and tailor recommendations, testing strategies uh, for that business needs and the model they're going with. Nice. Um, yeah, and you mentioned to me that, you know, a lot of the, you, you do some pretty large projects, like you're doing a lot of migrations and replatforming and audits. Um, so yeah, um, but it's pretty, I'm sure you're you're never bored, basically. I am never bored. I spend yeah. maybe too many weekends reading developer documentation, but mm -hmm. if you go to my Twitter, you'll see I, I'll find random things that like bore on a Saturday afternoon and be incredibly excited because it shakes up how I perceive a process or mm -hmm. uh, discovery of information. And I like to share that. Yep. So that's interesting you mentioned the weekend. So um, do you find like yourself working like crazy hours. Uh, I don't know if it's specific or new to COVID because I was actually having some conversations this week about people who are like, wow, we're really working a lot of crazy hours during this pandemic. And, you know, I sort of came up with this analogy that, you know, people have a lot of plates in the air right now. And mm -hmm. a lot of those plates are sort of dropping because there's just so much to do. And like, I don't know, like people's productivity has really dropped. Um, not because of anything that they're doing. It's, I think it's more just the environment that we're in right now. So I don't know. Have you sort you're of working, seen that yourself? Oh, you're, Yo. you're working from home in a pandemic. Yeah. You are, you are in a, uh, a massive uh, international event and the best thing you can do is self-isolate. And that does uh, put a lot of people, especially those who don't typically work at home, out of cadence, out of their natural rhythm and how they approach things. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of offer yourself grace. If you need a minute to go ahead and take that walk outside, uh, do that. I find sometimes my best productivity comes at, you know, two in the morning and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I finally, I think I figured out this thing. I'm going to go, you know, open a Python notebook and see if it'll work and allowing that space it's very very valuable right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you you do usually work from home? Yeah. Well, I uh, have my home office. It's yep. Pretty easy. My my commute every morning is to the coffee pot, and then right, right on over. <laughs> nice. That is a good commute. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you um, has has the COVID nineteen stuff impacted you professionally? Because I know I've been hearing about you know a lot of people losing clients and just sort of working crazy hours to compensate. Has this hit you or are things stable for you? How are how are you doing? I've had clients who've had to pivot their perspectives, pivot what their goals are to adapt to the new circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, I respect that. I'm not personally wounded by it. I understand and. In the same note, for everyone that went, we need to pivot away in this direction. I've had you know, two opportunities come forward and be like, hi, we have a chance now to go ahead and work on this and make it better. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not at a loss for work. I, I understand a lot of people uh, are concerned about that. I'm sorry for what you're going through if you're listening. Uh, you've got the skills. Maybe take some time to lay in the hammock and read some developer documentation. Find a new amazing thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, 
just keep hustling. You know, I always think of that, the old thing, I, I forget who said it, but you know, when you're going through hell, keep going, I believe, you know, that is Winston Churchill. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's just, that feels so perfect for a lot of people right now. Just feel overwhelmed, but all you can do is keep going, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's okay to feel weird right now. The world yeah. is weird. Oh yeah. That doesn't make you weird. It's just status quo. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So true. Um, so what is what does a typical work day look like for you now? Is there a typical work day or is like every day is kind of different because of how sort of unpredictable the days are? Well, I try and block out my projects and like um they, they get these three days and then I need to pivot over here and handle this over here. But I find that if I try and switch from one client to another too quickly, I'm working with, you know, complex stacks, very nuanced pieces of, of structure in their sites and their approaches. So it serves me to focus and dedicate large, like basically a whole day to this specific client. So that means looking at um, basically my scrum board. Okay, what am I working on? What's up next? Where am I blocked? If I have my blockers, that involves sending out those morning emails going, hey, Chris, can you go ahead and get me access here? Hey, Sam, can I have these server logs? And just mm -hmm. providing that in the morning. So I'm set up for a little bit of success. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. So, yeah, obviously I want to talk a little technical SEO with you because and it's funny, like when people, when we were talking at SCJ about who should we get on if we do a technical SEO, it's like, who pops to mind first? Jamie. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, and I know I'll probably get a little bit out of my depth as I was telling you before we started recording because you're like super genius level. But um, before we kick into that, I wanted to sort of figure out how do you define technical SEO today? Like, what does it mean to you? Because I know it means a lot of different things to different people, depending on who you ask. So how would you sort of define technical SEO today? Danny, I'm going to give you a brazen confession right now. Okay. I don't think I know how to do keyword research anymore. Mm. <laughs> Technical SEO, and I know, and um, <laughs> how I approach it, I go for crawl, render, index. This mm -hmm. is what I focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is to get that content visible. If your content isn't visible to Googlebot, you can't rank for it. So I get that car on the tracks. Um, you know, the wonderful. Uh, the wonderful SEOs out there who focus on content, on improving the rankings, you know, they're getting better drivers, they're getting great sponsors, they're making awareness for this vehicle. I make sure that engine is an engine and not a box of Christmas lights and a rabbit squirrel. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about that. Um, and, you know, I remember Gary from Google once saying that, like, people sometimes overthink search. I forget what the exact words were he said, but, you know, it's like, it's really mostly about sticking to the basics and making the site crawlable. Is that something you, you really agree with? Like it's really more about just simple and make sure it's crawlable. Absolutely. I do. Yep. yep. You can't rank for content that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So let's make it exist. Yep. Rendering is a black hole. We used to, you know, the how, how search works page used to be crawl index rank. Like mm -hmm. that is how it was presented in Google's documentation on them. And we're like, oh, but there's this whole thing where we actually assemble the page. Um, this is where we start to get into the quantum weirdness of it. So each time you assemble it, it could be slightly different. Uh, you could have failures here, failures there, a tendency of things to break. And now you have to learn how to look for those key markers at scale and uh, dive in to figure out what your bottlenecks are. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So in terms of technical SEO, what what are some of the tactics that are really key right now? What you know, what's working for your your clients? What matters today? Like what's sort of the, the key areas to focus on for people? We all use JavaScript. Everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because it makes really rich, engaging, interactive experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of all discovered how great it was and then kept adding things onto our site. Mm-hmm. And right now we're at a phase where we need to go ahead and step back and go, what is useful? Uh, a lot of times we are shipping unused code, uh, legacy code onto our pages. We're trying to make everything visible at the same time. And then we get a little bit of three stooges. They're stuck in the doorway and none of them are there. Mm-hmm. So how do we go ahead and create um, a consistent assembly of our content so that it is visible to users quickly so they can interact, they can achieve that goal, move to the next step. But in terms of SEO, so that all the content is available to that search engine, it understands the content. Mm-hmm. And, and JavaScript, I'm um, I'm not super familiar with it. So if if this is total newbie style question, it's fine. But you know, for someone who doesn't really understand it, how important is like what are some of the big challenges with JavaScript in terms of SEO? Um, you know, if if people are looking to get into that area, is there anything? that you see as sort of common challenges when you're sort of adopting that? Absolutely. Um, the Google developers site has really great documentation on this. I would recommend they start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very simplified, like I'm five version is we, we get that initial HTML, that piece that we view in the view page source. Well, that's, the instructions are all there to build out the page as we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make sure the content in that initial page source allows us to create the full rich experience and maybe leverage that split between uh, the flat HTML and the full rich page and go, this is what's critically important to my user. This is what matches their intent. If I prioritize where this appears, if it appears in the initial HTML, it doesn't have to be assembled with all these resources to be understood. Mm-hmm. I can benefit from that. I could look at my initial HTML and see, oh, this asks for a lot of resources. Do I actually need all those? And the ones that I need, could I have them be reusable? Do I have to go get a new Allen wrench each time or can I reuse the same one? Am I only assembling what I need? So I like to use the analogy, you went to Ikea to buy a bookshelf and you came home and you went through the assembly instructions and you ended up with half a desk, part of an ottoman and your bookshelf. You're going to do a lot of extra work you didn't need to. Mm. Um, that wouldn't be very satisfying to you. And if we look at the the end goal, which is getting information to users, the next billion users are on mobile devices. They have a limited bandwidth at this point. We're looking at a you know 3G. We're looking at a mid-range CPU. If we are considerate of that, we are enabled to expand our reach. It's self-serving and altruistic. Selfish altruism right there. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel the you know Google and I guess some of the other search engines these days are in terms of being able to figure a lot of the stuff out? Because um, I, I know for a long time JavaScript was a huge issue uh, for SEO, and I know that they've made improvements. How do you sort of do you feel like Google and others have still more uh, more? Uh, I don't know how to put it, but like, you know, they have to go further with what they're doing because, you know, everything's evolving. Um, And I'm sure it's just going to keep getting more complex. Yeah. Stepping up. Mm -hmm. Browsers are stepping up. Um, They were going, hey, guys, 
you're loading massive images right away mm -hmm. on all the browsers going, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and lazy load those. Mm -hmm. Browsers are beginning to take on the onerous of uh, making sure secure protocols are there. And uh, so if we're trying to load resources that do not match uh, our cross origin resource standards, that's not gonna appear. Uh, these are a lot of the problems people who are using JavaScript are encountering. It's not that JavaScript is inherently bad, but the devil is absolutely in the details. It's mm -hmm. how you build it, how you execute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, and speaking of the devil, which is funny you mentioned that, um, I was watching your video um, that you did with Google and Martin Split. Um, <laughs> and you actually asked Martin that, you know, is JavaScript the devil? <laughs> Uh, and that the other was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What about you? Like, do you think JavaScript is the devil? Or <laughs> I absolutely do not. Um, I think it's a tool. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a hammer. You can use a hammer to uh, put in nails, to remove nails. But if you use a hammer to give yourself a pedicure, maybe you're using the tool wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, I was curious. Since we're on that topic now, how, how did that whole video come about? And, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because, you know, I can probably count on my hand the number of like SEO and search in industry people who have been in a Google video. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how did that sort of come about? Did he suggest it? Did you suggest it to him? How did that all work? Uh, he, he asked if I was going to be at Chrome Dev Summit. Um, I've entered the lottery to go to that. Everybody who's an SEO, I highly recommend you go to these developer summits and, and learn. It's really a beautiful place and you get a lot of perspective in how our world is a subset of development. Even mm. for Google, uh, the webmaster analysts are in the Google developers division. Um, I was going to that. He's like, hey, do you wanna you want to shoot this myth investing video with me? And I was like, absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> it was really fun. Um, Anna Bartos was our, was our stage manager and it was an absolute blast. I was super nervous and we're on this proper little set and there's all these lights and Unifix behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And Martin and I just like shook off the, the nerves by um, making goofy faces, <laughs> being absolutely ridiculous. And then we just had a really fun time shooting that video. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, for people who want to see it, uh, the title is JavaScript SEO Myth Busting with Martin Split. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, it's the third episode of, I think it was a whole myth busting series. So uh, definitely check yes. that out. I thought it was a great video. I was like, so it was like, it's kind of exciting to see that. I'm like, oh, she writes her search engine journal. She's on a Google video. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I know her. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, is there anything in the video? I was just curious. Was there anything that you guys talked about that didn't make the video that you wish you had? Or was that like everything that made it should have been there? <laughs> uh Second confession of, of our podcast, my friend, mm -hmm. I've never watched it. Oh, no, really? Why? Really? I've never watched it. I don't know. I I don't tend to watch my videos. Oh, okay. Maybe one day I'll be in a place where I'm watching them and I can, you know, get that good feedback from them. I find that I'm probably... Uh, everybody's their worst critic. And That's if true. it doesn't benefit you to be that critic, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If you're if you're afraid to do a podcast or a video because you you don't, you know, you hate the sound when you accidentally hear a voice recorded, it's okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that way too, but you can still do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm proof of that. I've been doing this for a year and I still don't <laughs> like, you know, 
I mean, I do listen back to shows, but it's, you know, I'm always questioning, you know, oh, I didn't ask this question or I could have asked this, you know, it's just, I, I think that's just the nature of, of anything. Yeah, and I just find, yeah, it's better for me to go, okay, I've identified what I can do better and I'm going to move forward with that momentum rather mm -hmm. than, you know, becoming hypercritical it doesn't benefit me. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Um, we'll talk a little more JavaScript and stuff. Um, do you feel like there's any uh, sort of preconceived notions about JavaScript, or is it just viewed in like a really funny way where people are like, "Oh, we we just can't get into that," um, and where that comes from? Like, because I, you know, I, I found it interesting in that video with Martin. You were you're sort of explaining how like the web is evolving, where it's like it used to be just document retrieval, whereas now with JavaScript, it's more. I think your analogy was like it's like going from a book to a pop up book, which I thought was a really cool sort of analogy there. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like, do you feel like that's just the wave of the future, and it's now is the time to sort of start thinking more along those lines, or do you still think there are sites yes. that can do well without um, JavaScript in the future, yes. but still perform well? can be true. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I think, I, I don't think Google has a vendetta against us. I don't think they're using JavaScript as a, as a trap. Mm -hmm. um, I think People want to build websites that have really rich interactive experiences, and they're struggling and learning at the same pace we are. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to have JavaScript on your site. It just depends on what your goals are. Sure. What are you trying to achieve? Are you informing users about you know, a specific topic? Maybe that's not needed for you. Mm -hmm. I find it becomes problematic when people want all the gadgets and gizmos of plenty. Like, oh, I've got all these tracking pixels for these amazing tools that tell me how many cubed metric unicorn scores I have this week. <laughs> well, is that really useful? And can you action on it? Or do you have a third-party script in the head that's blocking any content from being available to Google or a user? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, so in terms it of... It can be a trap. Oh, yeah, yeah, it can be. Um, in terms of... You know, if someone wants to start learning this stuff, um, you know, are there any blogs or resources? I know you mentioned uh, Google has a good resource on JavaScript. Is there anything else, like, if people want to really dive into the world of JavaScript, like, is there anything that you would recommend? Absolutely. Uh, Martin and Lizzie made a whole section on, that's Lizzie Harvey. Follow her on Twitter. She's an amazing technical writer, and her documentation is a godsend. Um, they've, they've written up a whole... SEO for JavaScript section that goes through really the core issues that are repeated from site to site and how to address those. There's code labs in there. So a JavaScript becomes a lot less scary when you begin to understand how it works, when you begin to be able to make it yourself. Mm -hmm. You can know the difference between your crawl DOM and your render DOM and understand, okay, how did I take this basic document and then build this out over here? Get hands on. Uh, if you are in house and your dev team has a stand up, go stand and listen. Don't interject. Just watch their process. Learn how to successfully communicate with that team. They want to make good things. SEOs want good things. Sometimes the gap is in our languages between. So if we learn how to effectively communicate uh, as blank, I want a blank in order to blank. And here's the acceptance criteria. If you do this, this happens, else this happens. 
begin to get a, a, a better product. Mm-hmm. And you have that trust with the dev team. When you put in the time, you create tickets that are thorough, give that documentation, and then get involved in the QA process. So in our lower environment, here's that ticket you asked for. Take mm-hmm. ownership, get in there, get your eyes on it. Doesn't match your criteria. If you go to those documents I just referenced from Lizzie and Martin, um, it'll tell you how to use NROC to make a, a internal IP public facing so you can use Google's tools. Hmm. Um, you could even use Lighthouse on a local host environment. It is a wonderfully adaptive tool that uses Chromium. Chromium is the same base as Google Chrome and as Googlebot's web rendering service. Mm-hmm. It's not as foreign and alien as we often think. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, so you mentioned a couple tools in there. I think this is probably a good time to to ask you, what are some of your favorite tools to use as you're going through your uh, various projects? I love me a good web crawler. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. Uh, developer tools. If you are doing emulated data, if you are trying to identify bottlenecks, it's fantastic. Developer tools is loaded with goodies that will help your SEO because you can identify, oh, we're shipping two megs of script we don't need. Ooh. And you know, once you dive in and you begin to get that understanding of how JavaScript works, well, we know crawl budget. SEOs understand crawl budget. Googlebot takes actions using threads. JavaScript takes a thread. CSS takes a thread. Um, even if we don't use it on the page, that resource is still occupied. And if we're putting out too many non-valuable resources, then we're at a higher risk for our valuable ones not being gotten to because there's a limit how many threads they'll invest in us. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay, let's uh, shift gears. Yes. And the Chrome user experience report, love field data. You can emulate all day long, but um, one-offs are a little bit like that coworker who sends you an email panicking that something is broken and they just, haven't planned, cleared their cookies in a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, we'll shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about a little bit about your career because uh, you've had an interesting one. Um, but before we talk about that, uh, I was just curious, what did you do before you got into the SEO industry? So I kind of sideways shuffled into SEO. I like started proper in, in 2011. Mm-hmm. I actually graduated with, an, with a writing degree in the middle of the economic recession. And I'm you know, waiting tables, working at a sushi bar. Okay. Wanted to pay my bills and still be able to eat and uh, use my degree in some way. So that put me to, to writing content for sites. Um, kind of out of the curiosity of going, well, this piece is fantastic and this one is just nonsense. Why is nonsense doing so much better? Mm-hmm. You know, it was that rabbit hole of there's more here, there's more behind how people find this. Gotcha. Uh, so you sort of transitioned from content side to technical SEO side. Um, that's what that sounds like. So how did you sort of what was your your path of learning SEO in the early days? Did you just were you self taught? Did someone help you out? Uh, what worked for you? I think we all learned uh, boots on the ground and prayer in our pocket. Mm-hmm. In in 2010 or so, like this was the time where I I remember there used to be like four versions of documentation in Search Console before they did a beautiful job cleaning everything up. 
and there were no dates on them. So you'd have to go through and figure mm. out what sequential order they were and which was the most relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all came out of necessity. Yeah. If I had to learn something, I, I tried to learn it. And mm-hmm. that's what brought me into the tech field. Yep. Excellent. So, yeah, uh, I wanted to sort of run through your bio. Um, so it was interesting. So you're a consumer analyst from MapQuest. Um, so, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about what you did there uh, and sort of how you ended up working yourself out of that job. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really valuable experience. So uh, they had a help site and we were in the process, like I was brought in as a contractor to help re-architect it. And I had to learn how to group together the intents, what people were looking for, mm-hmm. and understand them in relation to products. You know, my curiosity would have me going, talking with the mobile crew, giving them a bug. You know, here's how you reproduce it, and they would take care of that. Uh, but the rearchitecture was really successful. How we were able to identify um, intent to the product and the best way to walk them through resulted in 50% fewer tickets coming in through that help site, mm-hmm. which you know. You, if you're running a business, you clearly don't need another consumer analyst anymore. Right. <laughs> and I, I asked the VP. She told me about this, you know, very um, in that very diplomatic VP way of, so we won't be uh, extending this need for this position anymore. And I'm like, oh, did I did I just work myself out of this? She's like, if you need a reference, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amicable. It was good. It was yeah. a learning experience. Mm-hmm. A lot about user intent and how it related to products. Yes, that's a, that's a big one. So, I don't, how did you feel about that? Like, I, I I must imagine it was sort of like mixed. It's like I did such a good job, but then I lost my job because of it. So, how did that sort of feel? I did a really good tuck and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I there were markers telling me, okay, I can see, um, based on uh, just the transparency offered by the parent company and how they're shifting budget here for matching this new priority. Likely my position isn't going to be extended. I'm just a contractor at this point, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did take that time to uh, you know, talk with a lovely headhunter who I'm still friends with today. Um, and she had found an in-house SEO position. Uh, you know, went through the detailed descriptions. I was laid off on Friday, and then I had my final interview for that new job on Monday. I started oh. two weeks later. Oh, well, that, that's a pretty good deal there then. <laughs> Awesome. My superpowers include tuck and roll. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a handy skill superpower to have. Um, so cool. Um, yeah. So then another another stop on your journey was at Moz as a CRO. Um, so, so what was uh, what was it like optimizing the uh, conversion paths for Moz? <laughs> you try chasing uh, SEOs, Danny. Try mm-hmm. it. I dare you. Oh, I've given that <laughs> you up. You all have. <laughs> Four browsers, you, you clear cookies and cash. You are my favorite little Carmen San Diego's of the internet. <laughs> I actually found my biggest battle, though, was in uh, data integrity when using a client-side A-B testing platform. So depending on, on the platform and the order of operations, so say you fire your testing platform from your tag manager, then we have to wait for that uh, testing platform to respond before we can either load the entire page or load that specific section that you're doing A-B test on. Uh, That impact, it's very much Heisenberg principle. We change the outcome by looking at it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Okay, and then but I got to work with very clever devs, yep. and we figured out how to do a server-side A/B test, you know, keep our data integrity. Mm -hmm. I think we had like eighty-three percent data integrity. Um, one of the client-side ones we were using was forty percent data loss, so we can't make good decisions based on that. And it was an interesting and very educational rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, cool. And then this is the... This Stop is the... judging me, Danny. Goodness. Am I? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, I was intrigued by this one. So, you, you're also the SEO product owner at Arrow Electronics. And when you, you just sent this number over to me, I was, I was kind of in shock. Like, four, point six, or four to six million products in seven languages. My mind just, like, sort of exploded. How do you even manage <laughs> that? <laughs> like, where do you even begin? <laughs> Nanny alerts. That was my strategy. So um, knowing Search Console is fantastic. And when you have that primary domain verification, you can actually go through and start breaking out subsections. Mm -hmm. So you can get those high-level views. We use some automated lighthouse testing. Um, we would basically leverage everything we could to help us know um, when something was on fire before half of it burned down and we finally turned over to look and we're like, oh, oh no, what happened to Korean? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just sort of like thinking, I don't even know what I would do, <laughs> uh, with that. So that's, that's kind of amazing. Um, so yeah, like, what do you, how do you even manage? Like, cause I imagine stuff goes in and out of stock and. Like how do you mm -hmm. how do you even track all that? Like, do you have doc, like databases? Like, what's massive the, ones. And there was a, a yeah. great BI team. I did mm -hmm. not have to own all of that. Okay, and that was that was great. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, I found my best strategy in knowing what was coming was being there with the dev team and working in the lower environments. So I know the next push going out is going to contain X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Being able to look at changes in Search Console. Um, map them to our release dates, and then refine that in by looking at log data and seeing, okay, my my crawl budget just crashed. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Okay, we have a bunch of non-valuable API endpoints that are being crawled and, and being indexed. Let's go ahead and tighten that up, clean it up, get that site back healthy again. Yeah. In enterprise, everything's always on fire. It's just a matter mm. of, like, do you deeply love this one particular dumpster fire? Can we maybe put this one out? I I'm personally attached to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very good. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously a very interesting career. So with a lot of different experiences there. Um, do you have sort of any, from, from all these experiences that you had, have you had like a favorite sort of project that you've worked on or just something that you're proud of? Um, that, that would definitely be, the first time I moved from being a marketing SEO to being uh, with the front end team, we were the dot commies. Um, and that came out of necessity. Our index was out of control. There was a, a merchandising button that says is active that was controlling uh, the index uh, indexability index, <laughs> whether or not Googlebot could index all these filtered down categories, absolutely running amok. They were purging at everything. I had to work with that team to basically do it a Bane style, let's break that man's spine. And then we <laughs> became this cohesive unit of, of UX developers, our release managers, our QA, um, and built this new site. At the time, Google had just deprecated the Ajax crawler and we were launching a site in Angular Universal. 
So it was a bit of like, okay, let's fingers crossed. Let's hope this works. There was a lot of back and forth, like in the forums, asking John questions, Mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out how it worked. I had a brilliant dev team and we were so deeply cooperative and we built something that I'm still proud of to this day. Mm -hmm. The site is no longer up. The business is no longer there, but we did darn fine work. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, So so do you think it's been helpful for you where you've had these all these varied things. So you sort of basically understand everything from, you know, the content, the marketing side to the dev side. So uh, do you, do you think it's better to have that broad knowledge or do you think it's okay for people who may just like want to zoom in on technical SEO or just on the content side? Like, or do you think it's more valuable just to like always be expanding your knowledge base? I am a very curious being, Mm -hmm. but I also find I am not going to prescribe to anybody that they should stay one place or move to another. If it is working for you, if you have adequate skills that allow you to accomplish what your goals are, those goals have a, a clearly communicated value. Mm-hmm. You do you, boo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no need for you to jump on over into uh, you know, JavaScript execution if you are just on point and how you write engaging content that matches you know user intent. You understand how to leverage your structured data. That is highly valuable. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, now um, we talked about like your favorites, but have you ever had like one of those instances where you've just sort of? Well, I guess you probably have plenty of these because you mentioned dumpster fires. But has there ever been just been like one situation <laughs> in SEO where it's just like, oh, I just can't figure out this one thing, um, and like if you could all the time, yeah, and just like if, you, if I could just go back in time and fix this one thing, knowing what I know now, like have you ever had one of those? Um, I, I, you know, I just figured out a riddle that had been mocking me for months because uh-huh. when we're working on, on rendering uh, in these large scale sites with these frameworks, it's each element has a particular chance of breaking and doing a particular thing any given number of times, and you get to learn really valuable stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did a presentation for a client, um, and as I was doing the presentation, I was like, you know what, I've learned better, so I'm going to update this to include a little bit better, more recent information here, and I'll send it back over to you. Um, the most menacing one, the one that I couldn't figure out, I'm trying to understand your question. I I love all of my dumpster fires. It just depends on <laughs> um, whether they're amusing or whether, you know, something really important was in there, guys. <laughs> Give you a, I'm going to own a failure mm-hmm. at launch and have to explain it to the team and understand the impact it's going to have. Uh, we were rebuilding two page types using a JavaScript framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, I've been able to work hand in hand with the developer on it. It was running beautifully. I was really excited about that. The second page type, uh, my primary contact developer had a very unfortunate series of events happen. Um, so that work was kind of off, shipped off um, to devs that I didn't have direct contact with. We had timelines. We had crunch. I should have owned being more involved in testing that, but I didn't have an ability to test in the lower environment with Google's tools until the day before launch. And when I got it to that place, I found that it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So the content wasn't there. It didn't render. Mm -hmm. I was using a non-Google tool. I was using a web crawler that assembled, but the way it assembled was slightly different. Luckily, right after this, Google updated to the Evergreen bot and it was fixed before you know, the devs could even need to take any action on that. But I had to sit at the launch meeting. We've been working at this project for eight months and go ahead and own 
okay, here's the estimated impact. Here's what we're going to see happen. Here's how we can mitigate it. Here's our strategy moving forward. It's mm -hmm. not a great feeling, but having the integrity of going, yes, I understand. I've already put out that I have the data here for you to understand what the impact is. I cannot hold up the site launch for this, but here's my plan moving forward. Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a ghost of dumpster fires past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but I guess also lucky that that sort of happened the way it did. So I assumed like, you know, cause the, you said the evergreen, um, yes. Yeah. Came along at that time. Yeah. So right, right after. Yeah. Um, and you came down to the third party crawler that I was using was, uh, compatible with ES six and, uh, that version of Chromium 41 wasn't, I might have the component name wrong, mm -hmm. but, that was the big gap. And gotcha. then when they did the okay. update, it, it was fixed. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you learn from that, I, I assume. <laughs> I just like my field because I get to ask dumb questions to brilliant people. Mm -hmm. Like my favorite pastime is nerding questions. I'm like, hey, will you explain this to me? Like I'm five. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really curious about how this works and how it connects to my field. And it's really liberating to, to go in a room and be the dumbest kid there. Mm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm off to the dumbest as I'm sure I'm proving in this interview, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Daniel, none of that now. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, yeah. There's your, there's your <laughs> promo clip for this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Alberico, Alberico says Danny Goodwin's the dumbest kid in this chat. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, how about for you, have you ever had a one of those times in your career where like, you know, you were kind of struggling or things were just kind of going wrong for you? Um, and if so, how did you overcome it? What did you learn from it? I think everyone does that. It, it ebbs and flows. It comes in waves. You kind of wonder, at least I do. I'm like, is this valuable? Is this contributing in a meaningful way? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I've been taken aback and wondered, is my field ethical? If we look back at the OG information retrieval uh, textbooks, uh, Alexis Sanders has this textbook and it's amazing. And it defines our field essentially being highly manipulative. Mm -hmm. I've always, always been curious about that and I can't fault anybody for you know, putting food on the table, but I do have moments where I ask myself, is this a meaningful and ethical contribution? And I think I enjoy consulting because mm -hmm. that allows me the freedom to um, also keep those internal values. And while I'm not going to judge anyone else, I can just say this is the right project for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, it's, and the, the wording is interesting because there's always debate about is Google manipulating their search results. And I guess, you know, technically we are, you know, manipulating, I, yeah. I don't think always means that we're doing something inherently evil though. You know, there yes. can be good and in, good intentions behind that manipulation, but yeah. maybe those struggles what's moved me to uh, ending my journey at index. Mm. I'm like, I got it there. <laughs> mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. That way you're not involved with the content, just making sure it can be found. Uh, it exists. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, very cool. Okay. Um, how about for you, um, when you're trying to find new clients, is there anything that, you know, 
any questions that you ask or just how do you sort of weed out, you know, is this client right for me? Like, do you sort of have any sort of red flags that you look for or what, what's sort of your, your thing when you're thinking about taking on a new client? So I've been doing this uh, as an independent con uh, consultant now for eight months. And that means I'm still learning a lot about how to identify it. Mm. And I like to approach it as when I don't see a reasonable expectation or simply it doesn't, what I offer doesn't align with business goals. It doesn't serve me or the client to pretend that it does. And I've actually turned away clients before going, you know, um, I'd love to help you, but until you um, update your platform, there's nothing we can do. Here are some mitigation strategies. Mm -hmm. If you decide this is in line with your business goals, please give me a call when you're ready to revisit this. And that honesty has been very helpful. Um, I get a lot of work from other SEOs. Honestly, they are in-house, they work for the team, they need a specific set of tools. Uh, I'm known as that the blue-haired JavaScript lady. Pretty great. I bob yeah. myself blue. My bathtub looks like I murder Smurfs. It's great. <laughs> and yeah, so that's interesting. So have you had any interesting learnings just generally since you say you're new at this? Like, have you had like one of those experiences where you took on someone you weren't like 100% <laughs> sure on and then you're like, oh, I should listen to my gut. Yes, and I've also learned the value of don't don't accept like don't put open for anybody to call and set up stuff with you. I end up mm. uh, going through a phase where I got a lot of people doing that uh, initial meet and greet call, and they were just trying to get as much information as possible. All right, while can I, I just pick your I can brain for a minute? To you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can describe to you how to fish. Mm -hmm. I can't guarantee you're going to be able to spot the poisonous fish or be able to prepare sushi. So let's sure. set that expectation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man so uh how about in terms of once you have the clients um what do you do to sort of set expectations you know because obviously nothing in seo is a given and there's a bit of yeah. you know it always it depends sort of thing but yeah how do you sort of set expectations like here's what i'm gonna do and you know where does it go after that? Like, how, how, how do you set those expectations so they're not expecting the world and you give them, like, a continent on the world? So one of the, the best strategies I've found for myself is every new client, the first interaction is a project. It's it's not a retainer base. Mm. Um, we mm -hmm. get to know each other better that way, understand needs. I truly dislike the idea of feeling I've, I've sold something to someone that they can't use. So... Mm -hmm. That initial project is laid out and very much shows my process. I'm not a robot, but I think like one. So mm -hmm. we're going to go through the crawl, the index, the render phases. We're going to look at site performance, not site speed. Um, I find expectation setting comes down to you being very clear with your language, defining what you mean. Um, also asking people what they mean. Hey, what do you mean by that word? Can you help me understand a little bit better? Mm -hmm. um, and then just following this, we have an outline. These are the deliverables that will be passed along in the course of this project. Um, here's the process I'm going to follow. Uh, I'm working on this. I'm blocked by this. Who do I reach out to? Who do I talk to? And yeah. Awesome. I like that line. I'm not a robot, but I think like one that's really cool. Um, do, you, do you think that... Um, 
at some point, you know, with obviously Google is going a lot more in the direction of machine learning, uh, and there are a lot of tools that are trying to, to head that way as well. Um, do you do you see foresee a point, you know, where maybe we can even take humans out of the equation for some of this stuff, or do you feel like you know a human element will always be necessary for the things we do currently? The original goal of the internet was to provide a means of communication and information. If that information isn't expressed by a human in a meaningful way or contain valuable information, what's the point? Mm. It reminds me of Ray Bradbury's There Will Come Soft Rains. There's this animatronic house that's persisting after the humans are gone, but it will self-destruct. It's no longer valuable. Mm. So yes, we could lean towards auto spinning AI content goodness, but Mm -hmm. the goal was communication. How are you going to keep that as a primary objective when you've passed it off to probably a poorly trained neural net model? Mm Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, since we're talking a little bit about non uh, AI content, uh, you also write if for someone search- pitches you an oh. AI product. Yes. Decline the meeting. That mm-hmm. is my gift to all of you. Oh. <laughs> and why is that? AI is not real. Yeah. And sometimes very well intended salesmen have no idea they're lying to you. Mm hmm. Is it machine learning that they're actually selling or is it just yes, to- total junk? It's up? absolutely machine learning. Okay. But the idea of you open it out of the box and it's fine doesn't work. To have effective machine learning, you have to retrain the model consistently. Mm-hmm. And it needs enough data, enough historical points going back to be effective. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to make the investment there or don't at least have the expectation that this will take, you know, mapping and engagement, it'll take you know, cleaning your data, retraining your model. It's not going to work for you. And it may be a really shiny, snazzy idea, but you mm-hmm. probably don't need that product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people do confuse those two terms still. Like people forget that machine learning is a like a different form of AI, but it's one where you're involved, whereas AI is just the computer makes all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's you been a lot of... improvise. We're yeah. crafty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, so we were talking a little bit about AI, um, since you are not a robot, but you think like one, you also create content. Uh, Do you have a favorite article that you've written, uh, either search in a journal or somewhere else, like a blog post (laughs) or any piece of content that you're particularly proud of? Well, I need to go back and some of them and update them. Danny, can I have edit privileges, please? Yes, you can. Absolutely. I, I selfishly write my articles. I'm like, what is the thing that I wish I had? Okay, I wish this resource existed. I'm going to make it. Yeah. Um, I think that the guide to Angular made me really deeply happy. Um, if you guys have read Search Engine Journal for a long time, you'll probably remember back in the day, this there's this article that was like, uh, Angular is killing your SEO. Mm-hmm. And now if you request that old URL, it redirects to mine, yes. uh, to this, this guide to Angular. Um, that felt like a really big accomplishment to me. Mm-hmm. I took great pride in that. Mm-hmm. Um, for personal <laughs> value, I, I value my my article on ethics. I would love our community to have more of a conversation on that. As mm. you know, if we go with simply the black and white definition provided of 
ethical SEO is adhering to search engine guidelines. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes it morally relative. Each search engine is different mm -hmm. and there is an impact. So how do we talk about this and this idea of are we manipulating or are we providing value? Mm. Are we doing both? Mm -hmm. I don't have answers, but I would love to see our community step up and begin to question that and figure out how can we do this in a meaningful way? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe, yeah, that was you, the, the post you did on Search and Journal. Are there, the question you asked, are there, is there ethical SEO? Sorry, my, my grammar is terrible when I speak. <laughs> That's why I'm an editor. I'm not a speaker. But yeah, um, it's an interesting thing because it's like, you know, theoretically, I don't know how you get ethics into something. Code. Yeah, but exactly. Code, but this code has a, has a, artifact has an output and it, it has does. an impact on humanity it does mm -hmm. how we interact and misinformation right now is is deeply scary to me yes i worry mm -hmm. about that mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it's an it's an interesting problem uh, you know and i think you you actually mentioned this to me that you're reading a book, uh, Carl, or you're listening, I guess you're listening to the book, but Carl Sagan's oh, Carl the, Sagan. the Demon ha Haunted World, uh, which is... The nice and accurate prophecies yeah. of Carl Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some, like, you know, a lot of the science fiction stories of the past and stuff. It's kind of scary when you see some of the stuff coming true and you're like, was this, you know, worst case scenario someone could think of? And then I think, did somebody look at that and go, ooh, that's a good idea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I challenge anyone listening, find someone in your life that you really care about. Um, and next time you watch them uh, search for something on their phone, ask them if they know how it got there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's a big gap. I mm. care about that gap. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move along. Um, one, uh, one fun thing that you mentioned to me was that you were, uh, kind of awarded something uh, online. Uh, it's not a trophy prize, but you and uh, Ashley Berman-Hale were named <laughs> as value-oriented SEOs. So what was that for? Uh, what, what, what makes a value-oriented SEO? Uh, we are driven by our internal values. Mm -hmm. uh, I look up to Ashley so much. She is one of my favorite human beings. I took a job just so I could work with her. Um, we really consider the beyond the I have changed this title. What is the further scope and impact? And our ultimate goal is we want more information to get to more people. Mm -hmm. So the ability to um, learn a way to improve your situation, figure out a new solution. I know I can't disrupt the world, but maybe I can help get information to someone who's very, very clever and can find a way and can find a way to uh, create equality and access to information, access to the internet. I think that'd be really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really care about accessibility because mm -hmm. I don't think humans who have impairments are the problem. I think our unnecessary uh, ridges against that are the problem. And if we want to answer the really big, deeply challenging questions we're facing as a society. It is all hands on deck. Um, these people that have been largely disregarded, uh, your vision impaired, uh, I only use my alt tag for optimization, sorry. Uh, they have answers to questions we never thought to ask. Mm -hmm. So we open that door, we open that field. 
mm-hmm. and make it available, we're going to get a lot farther than we will repeating what we think we already know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's important stuff. And I know that's an increasingly becoming an issue in, in the SEO world too. And it's it's kind of sad that it took lawsuits to get there. That you know people should have been doing this stuff with accessibility. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And hey, be selfish, guys. Bots need accessibility. It benefits them too. They act the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. You can selfishly find wins in this. You can team up with your UX team and find great opportunities there. More importantly, we're getting more voices and getting more perspectives and we're going to come out with better ideas. And that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's do a few fun questions as we wind down. Uh, one of my favorites to ask everybody, if you weren't in search or marketing or development, anything having to do with what you're doing currently, what what profession would you love to be doing instead? In an oh, alternate universe. A good one. In an alternate universe, there's yes. many alternate universes. Um, <laughs> and I picture them on the daily. Sometimes I am a medical illustrator and I live in a small fishing town in Italy. Mm. Other times I work at Jim Henson's Muppet Factory Ooh. and I build great uh, you know, animatronic creations and do costuming and design these creatures. And sometimes I run a fruit stand in Costa Rica and every morning when I get my breakfast, this iguana seals half of my banana, but that's all right. I'm still having a real good day. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that one. Uh, if you could go back in time, give yourself advice, any period in your life, what would it be? I could give myself advice. Mm. Oh, at any point in your life, what uh, would you go back and tell yourself? I mean, the really pragmatic one would be, "Hey, go invest in your stock here, do that piece." Um, right? That. Seriously. Back to the future too. Angle <laughs> to it. Um, Mine would be start YouTube. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, I need you to show up at this garage. I'm not going to explain. <laughs> um, I think I would just tell myself to be kind to myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I would give. I would give a hug and say, you're going to make it out just mm-hmm. fine. Yep. I think we all need that. We all need the idea of our future selves looking back going, you did good, kid. You mm-hmm. did good. Yep. Yeah. How about one one piece of really terrible advice that you keep hearing circulated and you wish people would just stop? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty that you hear. <laughs> well, Amazon does it this way. Oh, that's, that's a good that's, one. That's a fallacy of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think anytime someone gives you advice that I, has an invalid logical argument, there is in the fundamental premise a fallacy that invalidates it. You don't have to take that advice. You don't have to pick up that fight either. Acknowledge that's no. Mm-hmm. Um, do your thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. Well, so-and-so does it this way, so we should too. Yeah. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. If you haven't uh, brushed up on logical syllogisms and arguments yet, go take a look at different types of fallacy. No, next time you get in a Twitter fight. Oh, that's ad hominem. That literally has nothing to do about me. You're just attacking me and not looking at what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't have to just respond to that. It's a little bit li- liberating to go, nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder these days too, like if the people that want to argue with you are even like people. Like I, I worry that they're we're, we're at the point where we're arguing with bots and we just don't know it yet. <laughs> oh, you, know? you are absolutely right, my friends. Yeah, especially on social media. Yeah, that was highly exploited. Yeah, 
because you know because you know that that stuff's still going on you know they, they crack down on it mm-hmm. but i i'm still convinced that a lot of the a lot of the, the profiles out there are just either bots or like the, I don't know if the term sock puppet is, is right anymore. Has a really good tool for Twitter mm-hmm. um, that will do a bot analysis to oh, see okay. what percentage of your is. I'm really proud. I've got like a 6% bot follower ratio. And oh, that's so for some reason makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that for the, his SparkToro tool or something else? Yeah, that's SparkToro. That's SparkToro. Okay. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware that was a he thing. Did a, he did a larger study of. Um, what everyone else searched for Donald Trump and his uh, profile, like his follower breakdown, did a really interesting data set of that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always, always question what you're interacting with. Does this confirm something I want to be true? Is this clickbait? Like, mm-hmm. Is this sensationalized? The truth is really, um, you know, a, a tight knit, punchy, catchy headline. So mm-hmm. perhaps someone is taking their spin on that to get clicks to mm-hmm. get ad revenue mm-hmm. absolutely you make something without an intent you don't put up a site you don't put up a page without your own goal in yes. mind yep yeah critical thinking is important you know there's a lot of that's what carl sagan yeah. talks about in demon yep. haunted world it's, um the power of skepticism and when you have information overload and we really read the headlines a lot you know, how mm-hmm. does that impact our perception of reality and what can be the larger term consequences of it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure we, we could go down a whole rabbit hole. That's <laughs> like a separate thing because I, yeah, on this topic, but I'll try and pull it back to SEO focus. So um, let's see. How about uh, if you, you could give advice to somebody who's new to the industry and wants to be successful? Uh, what, do, what do you see as some of the keys to long term success in our industry? Ask dumb questions. Mm. Do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what a word means, don't interrupt a meeting. Make a note in your notebook and you know, follow back and go, hey, what does ABC mean? Because we're in tech and there's a lot of acronyms and um, that willingness to have a consensual reality about not only your uh, skills, what's available to utilize, but the goals is going to result in a lot better outcome. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one, too, because I, I know I do see this a lot in Facebook groups. I'm not sure if you're in a lot of Facebook groups that are like SEO focused or Twitter. And there is a certain attitude about dumb questions that I think is problematic for our industry right now, where it's, you know, there are always new people coming in and not everybody knows what you know. And I think yeah. a lot of people forget that. And I, that's one thing I think I'd like to see a lot more, you know, people just understanding not everybody is at your level. You know, I don't know if you see this much, but, you know, it's one thing that bugs me. And I know I've been guilty of it, too. It's like, oh, that's such an obvious thing. Why are you asking that? But to that person, it's not obvious. Oh, I literally call out in my tweets, no dumb question time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also get to choose where my energy goes. And, mm. you know, I'm I'm in a lot of Slack channels. SEO gardening is great. It's a really great community. We talk about plants. We talk about SEO. Nice. Women in tech SEO. It's a if you are learning, there are women in this channel who are willing to share with you everything we know. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to help elevate our community. Um, and I appreciate that I have a choice in where I focus. I mm-hmm. could 
respond to trolley comments or I can go over here and engage with people who have similar goals as me. And I don't need to be the smartest kid in the room. I can, I can ask dumb things and be all right with that. Mm -hmm. Are there any people in particular you'd recommend uh, people follow on Twitter? Like who are some of your favorites that you like to to read? Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Y'all. Y'all need to follow Dave Smart. He's uh, from Tame the Bots, an amazing technical SEO and developer. Ashley Berman-Hale over at Deep Crawl is completely, utterly brilliant. One mm-hmm. of my favorite humans and my my life partner. We will always go to conferences together and she will take hilarious pictures of me when I fall asleep in stupid ways. <laughs> <laughs> follow, follow Lily Ray, follow Hannah Butler. Uh, Denver SEO Beers is a, a group collective. We all engage and talk there. It's pints, not pitches, um, but get involved in those communities and you start just having these casual conversations and learning a lot in the peripheral Um Depending on what your goals are, if you're mobile focused, uh, Cindy Crumb is brilliant. If mm-hmm. you are um, brick and mortar, follow Greg Gifford. Uh, there's so many here. I can keep going. JP Sherman is the manager of findability at Red Hat and the work he does uh, interconnecting concepts and content by leveraging schema is just beautiful. <laughs> hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Some great names in there. Um, excellent. Uh, how about, uh, is there anything in, in SEO right now or web development that you're super excited about? Uh, like something you're learning about or just some, some new feature or something out that's new and cool that you're like, Ooh, I can't wait to dig into this or I'm really enjoying this right now. I'm really focused on rendering right now okay. and making, uh, making it easier to identify to spot these issues, to find meaningful solutions to them. I, that means I have to pivot, you know, across my clients, you've got Vue, they've got React, Angular, Ghost. Uh, there's all these frameworks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I'm most excited about right now is I'm, I'm watching these these kids, uh, you know, in high school, in, in elementary school, younger, who are now interacting with technology in the in these meetings in a new way. And I'm excited to see the UI and UX they make. Mm-hmm. They've already had a lot of screen time. They already have a bit of uh, intuition how to interact with these devices. What's the next step they're going to take it to? That's mm. what's got me excited. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have any idea what that will be? Or you're just looking forward to finding out? Like, do you have a hundred? I think they're going to make amazing UI. Like, when it comes mm-hmm. to operating systems developed by this generation, the mm-hmm. intuitive patterns, um, you know, maximizing focus on what the user is there for, but the ability to, you know, go to the search bar, go to this uh, in non intrusive but repeatedly used in intuitive ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to watch that all develop uh, over the next bunch of years here um excellent um and how about you what's next for jamie do you have anything awesome coming up other than uh e-summit which uh is coming up in june i know but anything else exciting for you on the horizon well everything is is still at a safe at home order so Mm -hmm. i'm not traveling i really value travel i find it's grinding and it you know reinforces that sense of self-reliance in me mm-hmm. so i have a, i've got a runover i'm picking up here soon some camping gear and we are going to go on a little camping road trip out east uh see a friend who's been in isolation as well mm-hmm. um, and some good quality time there it's gonna be nice 
Excellent. Sounds awesome. Red trip with a dog. A lot worse things, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sounds good. All right. Uh, that was it for me. So my final question is just, uh, you know, if people want to connect with you, uh, social media or elsewhere, where can they go to find you? You can uh, find me on Twitter. I'm on there quite a bit, sharing what I find and learning from other people. You can email me at jamie at not a robot. Uh, those are dashes between the words. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't like LinkedIn a lot. It's always like, I'm always weighing whether to accept you, especially if there's anything about link building in your title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging you. Her. I'm valuing my time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of growth hackers and ninjas, and yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people to be avoided there. So I get that. Well, cool. Um, said to the undisputed elf queen. <laughs> I, well, yeah, there you go. Whoops. <laughs> well, that's an earned thing. Like, both things can be true. Yes. I have no problem with that. True. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're awesome though. So yeah, thanks, Jamie, for taking the time to to join us today and you know talk to us about all this stuff. It's been really great having you here. Thank you so much, Danny. It's been really lovely chatting with you. Yes. Okay. So that does it for us on this edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and just as our reminder, as we mentioned a couple times, our virtual conference, the SEJ E Summit, is uh, coming up June second. Totally free, totally online. Uh, you'll hear from Jamie. She'll be talking about technical SEO ass hattery uh, is our <laughs> the name of the session, uh, which is with Alan. With his, yep, Alan Blyways. Um, it's gonna be, yeah, can't miss. And we're the only live session, so expect lots of uh, craziness. Um, so yeah, and lots of other brilliant people. Martin Split will be there too. Uh, so lots of like super brilliant people uh, and lots of great content. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure to head over to searenginejournal.com slash S-E-J hyphen E-Summit uh, and get signed up or just do a search in your Google uh, and you will find it very easily at S-E-J E-Summit. So uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys there. And thanks again, Jamie, for joining us. That's it. So long and thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm not Prince of Taurus. I'm not Danny Goodwin. And I'm not Lauren Baker. That's Greg Finn and Jess Budd, and I'm Christine Zernhaus. If you listen to the Search Engine Journal show, we think you'll love our critically acclaimed SEJ network podcast, Marketing O'Clock. Join us every week as we report the latest SEO, PPC, and social media marketing news. This is a show for real-life marketers who want to do great work. And because we're IRL marketers too, we know you're talking about attribution, schema, and CPCs all day long. So we keep it light with plenty of spicy hot takes, puns and rants. Plus, we talk about what's working hard and what's hardly working in our accounts and share what news stories have us saying WTH every week. So if you're ready to become a better marketer, subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and listen to new episodes fresh for you each and every Friday morning. Only on the SEJ Network. <laughs>